Matthew 16, and let's start in verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? And who says, who do they say the son of man is? So they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, notice this, Jesus speaking. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to them, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but by my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Everybody say my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's look over at Philippians 2. Philippians 2. D, can you turn that, that AC on just on low? It's already getting a little hot in here already. I'm going to preach, so it's going to get even hotter. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, and let's start in verse 5. Everybody there? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. In verse 8, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name. Mm -hmm. In verse 10, and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess on earth and those under the earth. uh, They should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now, if you couldn't get blessed by that verse, there ain't no help for you. I'm sorry. If you're taking notes tonight, we're uh, we're uh, considering, we're continuing our message on who is Jesus. But tonight, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is Jesus, the most interesting man in the world. Everybody say Jesus, the most interesting man in the world. And you can do the Dozeke's action if you want to with it. Jesus, the most interesting man in the world. So tonight we're going to be talking about who is Jesus again. Amen. You know, uh, I started this series because we need to understand who Jesus is because there's a lot of people that have grown up in church and really can't give a good explanation of who Jesus is. There's people outside the church that have a lot of ideas of who Jesus is, but they really don't know. How many need to know who Jesus is? Because the answer to that question is vital for your life here and your life for eternity. This one question right here, who is Jesus, affects your whole life on earth and your whole life in eternity. So you better get the answer right. Hello, somebody. It's the most important question. There's no other more important question than the answer, who is Jesus? You've got to know who he is. You've got to realize what you believe and why you believe it. You know, a lot of us have grown up in church, and it's not good enough to just know what you believe, but you need to know why you believe it. Why? Because when you get a little older and people uh, will try to talk you out of what you believe, and if you don't know why you believe it in the first place, you can be talked out of it. But if you know why you believe what you believe, you can defend your faith, and it's going to strengthen your faith. So how many know, I don't want people to just tell me what to believe. I want to know why I should believe it. Because if somebody can't prove it by the Word of God, you don't need to believe it. If a church that's preaching to you cannot prove it by the scriptures, what they're telling you to believe, you don't have to believe it. And we need to base whatever we believe on the word of God. Amen. Because that is our, 
our example. That is our absolute truth that we follow everything by is the word of God. Amen. So we need to know who Jesus is. So tonight we're going to go to the scriptures again and see who Jesus really is. And tonight I'm going to be talking about Jesus, the most interesting man in the world. Amen. You know, with Jesus, you can't, you can't deny his existence. Even unbelievers, even people that say they hate God cannot deny that there was a man named Jesus 2000 years ago. It's a historical proven fact. And the thing is, whether you know or not, it, it makes no sense that a Jewish man in an obscure town in the Middle East, such as Borden, I used Borden as an example last week, a Jewish man in Borden 2,000 years ago, <laughs> an obscure town, why does he make such an impact on this planet? Why do people still care about Jesus? Some random guy in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, why do I care? There's something significant about Jesus. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you believe he's God or not, you have to admit that he's a significant person in history. And actually, he's the most significant person in history. So why did this guy who only lived 33 years, 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, why do people still talk about him all the time? And he's the most famous person that ever lived. There's something that, that is important about him. There's something significant about his life. You know, all of history revolves around Jesus. He's the most loved person that ever lived. He's the most hated person that ever lived. We measure all our, our time around Jesus. Do you realize that? Even unbelievers will agree. We measure all of our time BC and AD and it's time is split right in half when Jesus came to the planet. You know, Jesus, he's the most famous person that ever lived. There's more songs written about him. There's more books, uh, written about him. There's more artworks that were made for him than any other person. Just that fact alone could make us say, who is Jesus? If so many people wrote songs about him and books about him and time is split in half for, for him coming to the planet and all this artwork is done for him and he's the most famous person ever, you guys need to know who he is. Just on the, on the sheer fact alone that there's somebody that significant. Who is this guy? And it matters who you think he is. Your life here and your eternity matters. And last week, you know, we read those uh, funny those funny quotes about who people think Jesus is. You know, we read about 30 or 40 different quotes that talked about Jesus, what major world religions, who they think Jesus is, what people in pop culture, who they think Jesus is. How many know we read all those quotes? Because why? They cannot deny his existence, so they have to come up with an opinion on who he was. A lot of people say Jesus was a good prophet. Or Jesus was a good teacher. Or Jesus helped a lot of poor people. Or Jesus had some awesome hair and a sweet beard. Hello, somebody. Or they say Jesus was a state of consciousness. Or Jesus was just a loving person. Or to the nudist arsonist cult that we read about last week, which is a real cult, they said that they think Jesus is a code word for taking mushrooms and setting things on fire naked. There's all sorts of opinions on who they think Jesus is. That's a real cult. I didn't make that up. So everybody's got an opinion on who they think Jesus is, but none of those opinions were based on the Word of God. And we need to base our opinions about Jesus on the Word of God. Amen? So tonight we want to talk some more about who Jesus is. First of all, we talked last week about Jesus is God. Now, it's not so much important what everybody else 
in the world says he is, but who did Jesus say he was? You know, let's stop taking everybody else's opinion, but let's take Jesus himself opinion on who he said he was. So we're going to talk about a couple things real quick before we talk about Jesus, the man, the most interesting man in the world. So first of all, Jesus, what did he say about himself? First of all, Jesus said specifically that he came down from heaven. Jesus said he came down from heaven. We're going we're to talk about seven things real quick. I'm not going to drag it out. Seven things real quick that Jesus said about himself. And like I said, it's important that we don't just take everybody's opinion, but what did Jesus himself say he was? Because some people will tell you Jesus never said he was God or Jesus never meant uh, to mean he was God or the son of God. People will try to confuse you and say things like that and say that the whole idea of Jesus being God or the Son of God was an idea that his, his disciples in the early church made up, that he was God. No, Jesus said he was God. Jesus said he was God, but first of all, Jesus said he came down from heaven, that he was God in the flesh. How many know if Jesus said he came down from heaven, the only person who lives in heaven is God himself? So number one, Jesus said himself was God come down from heaven. Number two, Jesus said he was more than just a good man. You know, people always say that Jesus was just a good man, a good teacher. No, Jesus said that he was just more than a good man. He was God himself. You know, his enemies didn't kill him for being a good person. Do you realize that? They didn't crucify Jesus for being a good person. They crucified Jesus because he said he was God. You need to understand that. Jesus emphatically said he was God. That's why he was murdered on the cross, because they said he was, he was declaring blasphemy and saying that he was God. Number three, Jesus said he was the son of man. You know, that term son of man would be uh, very prevalent in, in that time when Jesus came because all the people he was around in that Jewish culture would have known that term son of man because son of man was the specific term talked about the Messiah in the Old Testament. And you know, Daniel prophesied that the son of man would come, the Messiah Savior would come. Ezekiel prophesied that the son of man would come. David himself prophesied about the son of man. So every time Jesus said he was the son of man, he was saying he was the Savior, he was Messiah, and he was God. Amen? Now, I love this. Billy Graham, he said this about Jesus, people saying Jesus was just a good man. Jesus was not just another religious teacher. He was not just another individual seeking spiritual truth. He was instead truth itself, and he was God incarnate. Amen? Now, let's look at number four, by his miracles. And you can just write this down. I'm just going to go through this real quick. John 10, 36 and 39. Jesus talks about here. He says, by the works I've done, by the miracles I've done, by the things I've shown you, that proves in and of itself that I and the Father are one, that, that I am God in the flesh. By the miracles he did, he proved his divinity. Number five, Jesus said he was God. Let's look at Mark 14, Mark 14. I know we're doing a little teaching tonight, but it's good for you. You need to know what you believe, but you need to know why you believe it. Amen. Mark fourteen sixty one, Mark 14. Jesus said he is God. So 
So Mark 14, and let's start in verse 61. He said, but he kept silent and answered nothing. And again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, are you Christ, the son of the blessed or the son of God? And Jesus said, what do you say? I am. I am. And you will see the son of man. There's that term son of man again, sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. But notice when Jesus was specifically asked, are you the Christ? Are you God? Are you the Messiah? Jesus said, I am. Now let's look over at John 8. John 8. Just a couple passages real quick. John 8. John 8, we're going to start in verse 58. You know, because I've heard people say that through the years, that you know, Jesus never really said he was God. He just kind of beat around the bush about it. And, you know, some people thought he was God, but, you know, he really never came out and said it. He just kind of implied it. No, Jesus said it in many ways. In John 8, in verse 58, or let's start in verse 57. Then the Jews said to Jesus, you are not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. How many know Abraham lived thousands of years before Jesus lived. And Jesus himself was talking to the religious people and he said, y'all, I know all about Abraham. And so Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. In verse 59, notice they were ticked off. They took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and he so passed by. Why were they throwing stones at Jesus? Because by that statement, Jesus was claiming to be God himself. So first of all, he says, before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus, who at this time was around 30-something years old, was saying, before Abraham was, which was thousands of years ago, he was in existence. Because Jesus has always been, and Jesus is eternal. So, so notice this in verse 30 or 58. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And he, he not only said before Abraham was, he used another term. He said, I am. How many know that term, I am? Because God himself spoke that to Moses in the Old Testament. And when they said, who am I going to tell uh, to Pharaoh who sent me? And God said, tell him I am that I am sent you. So by him using that term, I am, he was saying, guess what? I'm God. And I'm the same God who dealt with Moses. And I'm the same God who dealt with Abraham. And just because Jesus was 30 something years old, his human body, Jesus was always in existence before Abraham. So just by this statement right here, he was claiming to be God himself. Let's look at uh, number, uh, John 10 and verse 30. John 10 and verse 30. Jesus said, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Why? Because Jesus, every time he was saying these statements, he was implying that he was God. And Jesus answered them and said, many good works have I shown you from my father, for which of those good works do you, do you stone me? And the Jews answered him saying, for a good work, we do not stone you. Notice, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. So Jesus emphatically said he was God. 
That's not just somebody's opinion. That's not just the early churches, what they thought about him. That's not just what his disciples said. That's what Jesus himself said. He was God, and that's why he got killed. That's why they were wanting to stone him all the time. That's why he went to the cross. It was for blasphemy, for saying he was God. Let's look over at Luke 5. Luke 5. You guys get anything tonight? Luke 5. Luke 5, and we're going we're gonna to start in verse 20 here in a second. But Jesus also, he claimed to be sinless, which just him claiming to be sinless meant that he was God because the only, the only thing in, in the whole universe that is sinless is God himself. But Jesus said he was sinless. You know, no other religious figure like Muhammad or Buddha or Gandhi or any of these other religious leaders ever said they were sinless. They all said they were sinners. Why? Because they weren't God. But Jesus emphatically said he was sinless. But number two, he also said he could forgive sin. And in Luke five and in verse 20, it says, he saw their faith and said to them, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins, but God alone? So by him saying he could forgive sins, he was saying he was God. Amen? By him saying he could forgive sins, he was saying he was God because he knew that God alone is the only person capable of forgiving sins. Now, number seven, Jesus said he was the only way to God. John 14, John 14. We mentioned this last week. I just wanted to point out these seven things before we went on in this series because you need to realize what Jesus said about himself. And he said he was God. He said he was the Savior. He said he was the Messiah. And you need to realize that. That's who Jesus says he is. So John 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice that no one comes to God except through Jesus, the Son. So just by that statement alone, he was implying that he was God in the flesh. Amen? Now we're going we're gonna to kind of switch gears here for a second. And we're going to talk about Jesus, the man. Amen? Jesus, the man. Let's look over at Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Why? Because you need to know what you believe, but you need to know why you believe it. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, and we're going to start in verse 5. You need to realize Jesus was God, and he still is God, but there's something else about Jesus. He was just as fully man as he was God. I know that's hard for us to understand in our finite human minds, but Jesus was just as equally human as he was God. I know that's hard for us to understand, but a lot of us will think, you know, maybe he was 60% God and 40% man. You know, he was 30% man and 70% God. No, he was all God and he was all man. And that concept right there, I realize it's hard for your mind to get around. Why? Because we're human and we're not on the same thinking scale as God. But you've got to catch this with your spirit. 
And Jesus was not only God, which is true. He was God. He still is God. But he was a man. He was a human. So in Philippians 2, in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. In verse 8, and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. You know, we talked about this some last week, but why did Jesus have to be a man? And why did Jesus have to be God? We had to be both, and we explained that a little bit last week, but I'm going to read something that's going to explain it even more. Why Jesus had to be all man and all God. It says here, if man is to be redeemed... Notice this, if man is to be redeemed, then a man must die for man. You understand that? We talked about that last week. If man got us into this mess, a man's going to have to get us out of this mess. And if no, if no man of Adam's race could do this, only God could redeem man. Amen? So we realize here, none of us could redeem ourselves. None of us could redeem each other. Why? Because we're not perfect. And it's going to have to be a perfect man to redeem man. And since none of us are perfect, but God alone, God had to become a man. Are you with me? Notice this, but by his own law, God could not redeem man as God. He had to become a man. The fall of man necessitated that this covenant-keeping God would become a man in order to redeem man back to relationship with himself. That's why he had to be all God. And he had to be all man. Now we're going to talk a little bit about this, but Jesus was fully divine, but he was fully human. You know, people overemphasize either one or the other. And how many know we need to have a balanced approach to this? Some people just say, well, Jesus is God. But you know what? Jesus is equally a man as he is God. Some people only preach on Jesus as God, but Jesus is also a man. He walked as a man. He had feelings like we have. He went through the same things we went through. You know, Jesus, one of the church fathers explained it like this. Jesus is one person but two natures. He is fully God and he's fully human. St. Augustine said this, Christ added to himself what he was not, but he did not lose who he was. Now you need to understand that when uh, Jesus became a man, he did not lose his abilities as God. Are you with me? But he put away his divine abilities to walk as man. There's a big difference. When Jesus became a man, he did not, he did not stop being God. He was still all God. But he put his, away his divine abilities to act as God while he was on the planet. Do you understand that? So he was all God. He was all man. He put aside those privileges. And that's what this in Philippians 2 is talking about. Even though he was God, he was equal with God. Him and the Father were one. For our sakes, he put away his divine privileges and came down to our level. Hello, somebody. He came down to our level and humbled himself to that degree that God himself would humble himself to the, the ability and to the likeness of his creation. That God would go that far for us. That's a big drop from God to his creation, from the creator to his creation. But God did that for us. He put away his divine privileges so he could become like one of us, so he could redeem us. That's how much he loves you. 
He left all the riches and glory of heaven to become like one of us and live on this sad and sorry world. And you know why he was here? He was beat. He was made fun of. He was mistreated. And he did it all for us. You know, any of that period of time, he could have said at any second to somebody, he could have turned them into an animal. He could have, he could have said, you know what? You cease to exist. But he didn't retaliate at all. He took that all for us. Now, you need to realize Jesus was all man. He looked like a man. He acted like a man. He talked like a man. He was human in every part. You know, some of us, we got a wrong perception of Jesus, that Jesus was just, you know, no zits on his face, just blonde hair, blue eyes. He was glowing all the time. You know, he was kind of like semi-hovering everywhere he went. No, Jesus was a real dude. Jesus was a real man. Jesus had facial hair. Jesus had boogers. I, I hate to be, let's be honest tonight. Jesus went to the restroom. And that's, that's not, that's not uh, blasphemy to say that. Jesus was a real person. Jesus went through everything we go through. He, he wasn't just like man. He was a man. And he did that all for us. You know, the easiest, easiest thing he could have done was he could have sent himself down at 30 years old and rode into Jerusalem on a white horse, blonde hair, blue eyes, looking like Brad Pitt, and said, hey, I'm here, I'm God. But you know what? He didn't do it like that. He experienced everything we experience. He came as an infant. You know, Jesus was a baby. He didn't have to do that. He could have just showed up as a beautiful-looking 30-year-old and said, Hey, I'm God. What's up? Let's do this. Let's get this over with. I'm not trying to spend 33 years of my life on this earth. Let's just get this done with. No, but Jesus wanted to experience everything you go through, everything I go through, so why? He could sympathize with us. He could understand us. We're going to read a scripture later in Hebrews that says, We have a high priest that knows how it is to be a human. We have a high priest that knows what we're going through. We have a God that knows what we're going through. He's not some God that's on the other side of the universe that doesn't relate to us. No, he's been where you're at, and he knows what you're going through, and he cares about what you're going through. That's why he can relate to us. You know, Jesus grew up. You know, Jesus went through puberty. I got to say it, but Jesus went through puberty. Jesus had armpit hair. Jesus had to have his voice crack. I know you might not believe it, but Jesus' voice probably cracked a bunch. He probably sounded like Charlesi for at least two or three years. But Jesus was a real human. You got to think about this stuff. Jesus went through puberty. He probably had pimples. He probably had earwax. He went through everything we go through. You know, it says Jesus got hungry. He got thirsty. Jesus had a job. You know, Jesus had a job as a carpenter. Now, he was a real man. He was a grown man. Because you know, if you're, if you're a real man, you got to know how to work with wood and a hammer and some nails. And Jesus chose to be a carpenter. He could have been anything, but he chose to be a carpenter. You know, his daddy was a carpenter. So Jesus had a job. Jesus didn't just for those 33 years just go float around and quote Proverbs to people. He actually worked a job. Can I get an amen for people who need to work a job in here? She said, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. No, Jesus had a job. Jesus had a J-O-B. Jesus had a job. You know, Jesus went to parties. Hello, somebody. I thought I'd get an amen out of that. Jesus went to parties. Jesus went to weddings. You know, Jesus loved his family. He loved his friends. You know, Jesus was a happy guy. 
don't know if you realize that, but Jesus was a happy guy. You know, this is this is really what I, I've been waiting to get to is, you know, I was thinking about which by no means do I say that Dos Equis is something you should be consuming. By no means do I, I say you should be drinking alcohol. I'm not agreeing with that whatsoever. But they do have some of the best commercials. Okay. Can I get an amen about that? They do got some of the best commercials. Dos Equis does have some of the best commercials. And how many of you have seen those commercials, the most interesting man in the world? Those are awesome. I, those are awesome. But, but it got me thinking about this concept of the most interesting man in the world. Because why this guy on there, he looks really cool. He's got like silver hair. He's got a silver beard and it's just awesome. He's got a tan. And, you know, it shows him playing sports. It shows him like chasing down a jaguar. It shows him. It shows him with all these women around him. And why the world looks at that and says, you know, if you look good, if you can play sports, you're an athlete. If you got women around you, if you got a good tan, then you're, you're an awesome person. You're an interesting person. And they, they say, you know, he's the most interesting man in the world. And I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever, you need to look up that guy in real life. He has the nerdiest voice in real life. That's not his real voice. He doesn't really have that cool Spanish accent. He talks like a country hick in real life. You need to look him up later on. So look, even that commercial's a fake. That guy in real life, he's not even interesting at all. He's just some random washed up actor that they got for the job. That has a cool Spanish accent, but in real life, he sounds like a country bumpkin. It's not even cool. But I was thinking about the most interesting man in the world, and usually when you say that, you're, th- you're thinking of this person and that person, you know, you know, Brad Pitt or, you know, this athlete, Michael Jordan or this. Those, that's the most interesting man in the world, the most awesome man that ever lived. But you know what? Jesus is the most interesting man. And why culture has slammed so much junk down our throats that Jesus not, is not interesting, he's, he's boring, you know, the whole Christianity thing, we've started to believe it. But you've you got to realize Jesus is the most interesting man in the world. Not the Dos Equis guy, not your favorite athlete, Jesus is. Now, this is really not with my sermon, but I'm going to read a couple quotes from the most interesting man in the world because I thought that just bless us all. Okay, the most interesting man in the world. This, this does not pertain to Jesus, but this is from the commercial. It says, his words carry weight that would break a lesser man's jaw. <laughs> he is the life of parties he's never even attended. <laughs> when in Rome, they do as he does. He speaks fluent French and Russian. And the last one here, when I look this up, there's literally thousands of quotes about the most interesting man in the world. It says, sharks have a week dedicated to him. You'll get that next week. Sharks have a week dedicated to him. I think I read one. I didn't write this down, but it said, it said, if you punch him in the face, you'll want to thank him later for it or something like that. I don't know. Oh, if he punches, yeah, if he punches you in the face, you'll want to thank him later for it. But you know what? That guy on the commercial is not the most interesting man in the world. Your favorite athlete, the person you think is all that in a bag of chips. I'm sorry to, sorry to break the facts to Kenzie, but Justin Bieber is not the most interesting man in the world. You know, Robert Pattinson from Twilight is not the most interesting man in the world. Hello, somebody. Little Wayne is not the most interesting man in the world. All these people we see, they're not the most interesting people in the world, and they're not, they're not living it. But you need to realize Jesus is the most interesting man in the world. I was thinking, where did we get this idea that Jesus was not fun, 
Where do we get this idea that Jesus was just stuffy and religious and he didn't laugh and he didn't have a good time? That's what this culture has tried to feed to us, and that's not what the Word of God portrays Jesus as. He was a real man. And why? Because we watch movies that show Jesus, and the whole time he's walking around, he's kind of glowing, and he, he looks like he's mad most of the time, and he's walking around kind of like this. And every time he talks, he kind of sounds like a robot, and he like quotes Proverbs and, and parables to people, and he doesn't even talk like a real person. He talks like an alien. And, and people get this weird religious concept of who Jesus is. But just because the movies don't know how to portray, and you know, even artwork, you see Jesus, he always looks so serious. He always looks like he's upset because he's about to go to the cross. He also looks like he's, he's, he's kind of mad at people. But that could be, that's the furthest thing from the truth. And you know, because of the movies, and, and you've got to change your depiction of God, because a lot of people just picture God as somebody who's up in heaven, who's ticked all the time, who's ready to throw judgment down on everybody, and is upset at all times. No, God is the center and the source of all joy. You need to take your picture of Jesus from that picture you're seeing of Jesus as a, a guy who's frowning to a guy who's got the biggest cheese on his face as possible. Why? Because Jesus was a real human. He was a real man. And he, you know what? He knew how to have a good time. You know, Jesus had emotions. He had compassion. He wept. He was sorrowful. He was tired. He got upset. Jesus went through all those emotions. You know, Jesus is not, he's not upset about you having emotions. Because I know a lot of people have almost taught it in a way that you're not supposed to have emotions or feelings. But you know what? It's not a sin to have emotions or feelings. Because Jesus had emotions and feelings. You know, he was sinless. But the thing is, he doesn't care if you have emotions or feelings. But it matters if those emotions or feelings rule your life and rule your decisions. Because how many know your, your, your feelings and emotions are not always right? So it's okay that you have feelings and emotions. It's not sin, but it is when you let those rule and dictate your every decision. But Jesus felt what we felt. He felt hungry. You know, he, had, he felt grumpy. He felt tired. He felt sorrowful. He wept. He felt love. Let's look over at Hebrews 4. You guys get anything tonight? Hebrews 4 and 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but he was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we realize here it's talking about Jesus, our high priest, that yet he was God and he still is God. And that's absolutely true. But just as much as he was God, he was a man. He was human. He felt everything we feel. He was tempted in every way we've been tempted. He felt all the same feelings that we, we have had. And notice it says, he can sympathize with our weakness. 
Like I said earlier, God is not a far away God who doesn't know what we're going through and just looking down at us saying, you know, I wish those humans would get it together. You know, what is their issue? No, Jesus has been here before and he realizes what we're going through. He realizes our weakness. He realizes that we're, we're just humans. He realizes what we're, what we're dealing and facing. And notice what it says. He's not mad at us for that. He sympathizes with us. He has compassion on us. Why? Because he's been in the same position. And a lot of us think when we mess up that God's mad at us about it. No, he's been where you're at. He sympathizes with you. He says, I know you just messed up. You're, you're a human. I can't blame you for that. You have weakness. And he wants to help you with it. You know, it says here that he was tempted in every way that we are, but without sin. You know, Jesus was tempted in every temptation that you face. Every temptation you face as a young adult, as a youth, at your high school, at your college, with your friends, at your job. Jesus was tempted in everything that you've been tempted with. So that's the thing. A lot of young people talk like, you know, you don't know what I'm going through. You know, maybe I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus does. He's been tempted in every way that you've been tempted. You know what? But he didn't fall into sin. You know what? He died to make you new that you wouldn't have to fall into sin either. That you can overcome sin. He not only died to free you from the penalty of your sin, but to give you the power that you could overcome sin in your everyday life. He died to give you that strength and ability that he did it. He walked this planet sinless. You know, he gave us that same power. You know, it's, it's a true fact. Not many people might, might not do it, but you can walk through this planet and not sin the rest of your life after you receive Jesus. It's possible. It's possible. Why? Because that same power that was on the inside of Jesus, Jesus has put that on the inside of you, that you have power to overcome any sin. You have power to turn down sin the rest of your life. You know what? I don't have to sin the rest of my life. It's a choice to sin. You know, before Jesus, I really don't have a choice. I do whatever sin tells me to do. I do whatever the flesh tells me to do. But why? Since Jesus died, not only did he take my penalty for sin, he took the power of sin away that I don't have to obey it. And I love this in verse 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, Jesus, he knows everything you've been through. You know what he says when you mess up or you're in need of help? The first place you need to run is to him. The first place you need to run is to him. When you get in trouble, don't run away from God. Run to God. A lot of people have that, that misconception that when, when I'm in trouble and I'm in need and I'm failing and I'm, I'm acting dumb, that I need to run away from God. I need to run away from church. I need to run away from my godly friends. No, that's exactly who you need to run to. And you need to run to Jesus. Why? Because he knows what you're going through. And when you get to him, knows what he says he's going to give you. He's going to give you grace to help in your time of need. Amen. You know, as I close tonight, from the, from the uh, first two messages I preached on Jesus is God. We know Jesus is all God and Jesus is all man. He's the perfect God man. He was perfect in every way. And I'm going to end this with what C.S. Lewis, I quoted it last week. He said, the things that Jesus said, the things that he did on earth, 
the way he lived. There's only three conclusions you can come to about Jesus in his life. What he said, there's only three options that all the world must put Jesus in. There's not many options, there's three. He said, either you think Jesus is a liar, he was just flat out not telling the truth, he was a liar. Or number two, he was a lunatic. He was just another crazy person that said he was God. You know, there's a lot of people that have come and gone in the past couple thousand years that said, hey, I'm God, I'm this, I'm that. And they've been lunatics, they're crazy. Or number three, he said what, you, what, what Jesus truly is, he is God. He said he's liar, he's lunatic, or he is the Lord. And if he is the Lord, then there must be a response to that. If Jesus is truly the Lord of all creation, if Jesus is truly God, which he is, the perfect God-man, then there has to be a response to that. There must be a response to that. There must be a response that says, I'm going to worship you because you are Lord and you're worthy to be worshiped. There's going to be a response that said, if you truly are God, you truly are the Savior, which he is, then I'm going to give my life to you because I can't do this by myself. And I'm in need of a Savior and you are the Savior and you are truly God. So there must be a time. I know, I know a lot of us are saved already in here and have received Jesus, but there has to come a point in time in your life where you've got to make a decision. Whether he's liar, whether he's lunatic, or whether he's the Lord. And I said this last week, but I, I mean it just as strong. That decision affects your whole life here, but affects your whole eternity. What, whatever out of those three options you choose affects your whole here, time here on earth in your whole eternity. That one man, that one person is that important. It affects everything. You need to realize that, you know what, your wife or husband doesn't affect that. Your friends don't affect that. Your parents don't affect that. Your teachers, your classmates, nobody else on the planet affects your eternity and your life here on earth more than Jesus. There's only one decision to be made. 